facts, fibs, and fairy tales. Not to sidebar it too much at this point, because there's way more sidebars later. This hot piece of ass, apparently. Get it. That it just, like, it just exploded. I've, like, never seen jizz like this. She was like, oh, you're not supposed to sleep over on the first date. I was like, yeah, fair enough. But did you ever see her again? Or was that, was that it? That was last night. It was like an audience participation sort of deal. And, like, you know me. Any attention I can get, I'm going to fucking take. Yeah. Like, that's my currency, his attention. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Facts, Fibs, and Fairy Tale. It is your factual fairy, Matt motherfucking sweet. Uh, And here we are. um, Episode three of series six, where I cold read uh, this memoir I wrote. uh, For better or for worse. It's very strange to be talking to myself, as always, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> anyway, uh, today uh, is a cute day. I'm about to read you part five of the memoir, uh, which is called Succeeding Question Mark at Love. Um, and it's just kind of about, well, I mean, it'll become clear what's it about. I don't have to tell you about it. Quick little update on me. Uh, it's a cute Sunday, and I'm cutely hungover. Um... But I have washed the outsides of my windows and the insides of my windows, and as it dries, I start to see all the streaks I left behind. Is there a good way to get rid of streaks? I don't know, but I've done my best. (laughs) Anywho, uh, let's just dive into it. So here we are, part five, Succeeding at Love, Cold Red by Matt Sweet. I am the kind of guy who is a serial monogamist. Despite my lack of long-term success, I believe that my string of romances have been great tools for personal growth. When I look at the lives of some I know, I have been remarkably lucky to have had the motley crew of boyfriends I have had. There are folks in the world who can't seem to make a single boyfriend happen, let alone a bunch of them. In trying to declare what my secret is, and in fact to remind myself of what my secret is, I have come to the following thoughts. One. Always be exactly who you are. Two, a sense of humor matters more than perfect teeth. Three, trust your instincts when you sense crazy, they're crazy. And four, be a pusher. Waiting just makes everyone feel shitty. Of course, all of those things are easy to say and harder to do. Of late, I've found myself in a bit of a relationship drought, so I find myself breaking these rules a lot. Recently, I almost put my dick in crazy, then had to go through a full-tilt breakup, despite having never once been in the same physical location as this person. I've also found myself on a date or three with a really lovely, beautiful-souled person who was boring. And I can handle a lot of things. And forgive a lot, but the most egregious sin is boring. The deeper I reflect on my romantic past, the more I become a little horrified at how direct I have been in the initial stages of relationships. Most people sink into the angst of the beginning, enjoying the cat and mouse of the does he love me or love me not game. That part is the most agonizing thing, and I refuse to engage in it. That, of course, makes it sound like I have a choice, which I suspect isn't true. Instead, I have the inability to shut the fuck up when it comes to being in love with someone. When I was 19, I met my first boyfriend. His name was Maddie, and he was a dancer. He was also a resident advisor in my dorm at university. And don't worry, while it was definitely illicit and scandalous, it could have been worse. I mean, he could have been the RA on my floor. I was young and dumb and completely inept, so I was lucky that Maddie had a calculated approach to wooing me. 
He found ways to be in my presence. My buddy Heather would host viewing parties of our favorite show, and Maddie very quickly secured an invitation to these events. Over the course of time, he and I drifted closer and closer together during these nights. What was very sweet was that somehow he had convinced me that I was the one making all the moves. I learned later that he and Heather had conspired against me like the monsters they are. As the weeks passed, Maddie was headed into a performance, and I was seeing him less and less. The absence was what made me realize that I had better do something about it. So before a dress rehearsal, I walked him to the theater. The whole way there, I was burbling with energy and nerves. I don't remember what we talked about, but I know that I did most of the talking. Eventually, we, we arrived at the theater, and I couldn't procrastinate anymore. This was the moment. I just had to ask a real boy on a real date for the first time in my life. We hugged goodbye, and I held on a little too long, and then it burst out of me. Do you want to go to the pickle barrel later, or like, on a date? <laughs> and you know how every time you gather your courage and do something brave, then you have that breath of a moment between when you release the thing into the world before you get a response? That moment that seems to last for eons, and it's a bit like your skin has contracted while at the same time your heart has vacated your body. I fucking hate that moment. Of course, it's also a bit like crack cocaine. Despite hating it, you begin to want that moment more and more. This moment with Maddie was my first hit. It was thrilling, and awful, and amazing, and brutal, all at the same time. Maddie played it all very cool, of course. Yeah, I would like that. I'll text you and we can sort out some of the details, okay? With that, he vanished into the theater and I combusted on the sidewalk. The next thing I knew, <laughs> there we were at the Pickle Barrel, a chain restaurant that offers nothing particularly extraordinary, but believes in giant portion size that appeases a small town guy in a big city. I remember Maddie had a salad because he's a healthy person like that. I probably had chicken parmesan or something just as devastatingly filling. During the meal, there was a deep need that grew in me, like a balloon slowly growing inside my throat until I had to speak or I would burst. Around the time they asked if we wanted dessert, it happened. Uh, I'm completely infatuated with you, are the actual factual words that came out of my mouth. Most people would be horrified by that kind of full-out admission. I can assure you that in that moment I was exactly like most people. It's absolutely fucking terrifying to say something that vulnerable to another human person. It leaves you open to their attacks if they choose that moment to shred you apart. And I got lucky. Maddie blushed tomato red and we stumbled through telling each other that we were indeed interested in each other. And if you find yourself in a similar situation, always wait until the end of the meal to do the deed if you can. That way, when you've stunned them into silence or worse awkwardness, at least you don't have to wait long to escape. Shortly after that ridiculous moment in my life, Maddie and I were officially boyfriends, and we spent just about two years together making each other crazy and fumbling through a huge variety of first times. Maybe I got lucky in that moment of oversharing with him, and that set me up for success. But I've definitely taken the lesson of that moment to heart. I learned to be fearless. When chasing love to this day, I put my whole self out on the line. Some choose to hide parts of themselves or keep their feelings hidden until the appropriate time to reveal them. Personally, I don't believe those idiotic rules do much good for anyone. If someone can't handle me being honest about how I feel about them at the outset, how could they possibly handle it when the relationship gets hard? For that reason, I try to be a full disclosure kind of guy. If I feel myself falling in love, I'm going to tell you. If I want to see you, I'm going to ask you to see you. 
There will be none of this three days waiting to message nonsense or whatever arbitrary rule your best heterosexual girlfriend tells you is appropriate. That girl, she's wrong, and it's time we all accept that. About a decade later, I thought I had mastered the art of disclosing and pushing my way to love. And then along came John. And as you know, John is a bit of a robot. Now imagine trying to make a robot love you, and that runs directly contrary to their typical programming. John and I met on OkCupid, and I somehow passed his rigorous screening protocol. But wait, time for a brief interlude. I'm about to declare something that you may find upsetting. Prepare thyself. I typically only brush my teeth once a day. I know, I'm disgusting. In the morning, I learned later that, uh, <laughs> in the morning, what? I gotta rewrite this. <laughs> I later learned that this is a near deal breaker for John. It was one of those innocuous questions on OkCupid that I never knew was keeping men from messaging me. I just love midnight snacks too much to want to ruin them with a minty toothpaste. And don't you dare try to tell me how to live my life otherwise. Anyway, John packed a couple of pieces of gum and agreed to go on a date with me after a bevy of messages back and forth, where we were both hilarious. The date was to be a tea somewhere, then perhaps a walkabout if it was nice. And this is a great strategy that I believe most people employ now. It means that at pretty much any point you have the option to bail. Which, with someone who was as skittish as John, meant the whole thing was ripe with disaster for me. So we grabbed our tea and headed out for this urban hike. Within about ten minutes we met John's friend Jana, or Lana, or Romana. I can't recall her name. All I know is that I met her on date one, learned she was a lesbian who worked at a home improvement company, I mean really, <laughs> and that I never saw her again despite John's insistence that she was lovely and a great friend. After about 20 more minutes, the date was going great, he was still walking with me, we ran into another good friend of John, Z John Z <laughs> Grabby. At this point I was pretty suspicious, were these friends plants on our walking route just in case I was a serial killer? I have to admit that if so, John was displaying a deep level of organization and cleverness. Two traits that I was suddenly finding incredibly charming. After John declared that these two meetups were entirely accidental, we decided that a second date was in the cards. I spent the afternoon before our next date stressed out and trying to be my cutest. This John guy was pushing all the right buttons. He was funny, charming, clever, kind, but with a bit of an edge. All the things I like in a guy. I arrived at an Italian restaurant near his apartment in my first ever four realsies bow tie. I had tied it myself and it was adorable. Of course, it was way too tight and every breath was just a little bit of a struggle. And about 10 minutes in, I declared that he had seen me at my most adorable and now I had to take it off in order to swallow our food. <laughs> Dinner having been a great success, we were outside his apartment later and there was that moment when you should kiss. I stood there panic sweating trying to figure out if it was appropriate or not. Of course, I was scared and didn't do it. So we parted with a hug and, uh, of some kind and, and called it a night. I immediately texted him as I walked to the subway declaring that I should have kissed him and that I felt foolish for not. It was then that I got my first sense of just what kind of robot John was when he replied that I should have done it and he was definitely giving me signals about it. His signals were non-existent, but at least he felt like they were happening. What followed was a lesson in pushing. To this day, I think John felt he was being super overt in his interest, but in fact, for me, it was a bit like trying to read a stone. I left every date a little unsure whether he wanted to see me again, and as we became more entangled, I got slightly better at reading him and eventually concluded that he wanted me around. That said, I was absolutely the one to bring up the concept of us being official boyfriends. O-M-G. 
You can be certain that I was the first one to say I love you to him. And I also made it very clear that while I was saying it, there was no pressure to say it back. I believe at least a solid month went by before he said it accidentally to me. And after that, he couldn't take it back. And it was totally official I had made a robot love me. To the folks who buy those human-sized dolls that talk and have sex organs, you won't be impressed by that achievement. Well, fuck those people. To everyone else, I think this highlights just how important it is to be honest with the people in your life. Sometimes it can take a while to hear what you want to hear back, but ultimately, by putting your emotions forward and being truthful about them, you position yourself to develop a deeper and fuller connection. To this day, John and I are each other's person, despite our breakup. It is also helpful on the opposite end of the spectrum. Recently, I had a friend of mine start making suspected romantic overtures at me. It was all very questionable, and at no point was I certain of his intentions. After consulting with a whole cluster of my friends about it, we all... <laughs> about it, we all were only ever about halfway sure that in fact he was pursuing me. In the end, I just threw the information I had about my feelings out there, and he was kind enough to say, Oh, God, no, thanks. <laughs> On both ends of the spectrum, this approach sped up the process cons considerably. <clears throat> Rather than sinking into angst, it just weeded the people out early who aren't worth your time. If someone wants you, they will figure out how to navigate your extreme emotional honesty. Or not. I haven't gotten it right. <laughs> oh, man. And that is part five. And it's all very strange. As I read through this again, I mean, there's so much of it that I want to go back and just, like, rip apart and rewrite. I think that's kind of part of the process of writing you do draft after draft, and you're like, ah, I think this is good enough. And then you look at it again, and you just you just hate all of it. <laughs> I just think it's so funny to, to realize just how clunky I can be sometimes. But I think there's nuggets in there, and I think it's important to, I don't know, keep trying to harness them. Anywho, um, a cute little, quick little reading this week. Um... Yeah, this is the third one. There's three more to come. And then we're going to jump into Series 7, and I hope you're excited about it. I've uh, been interviewing folks from Nightlife, and it's been going really great, and it's been so much fun uh, to meet up with these folks, and I'm really, really excited to share those episodes with you. Um, yeah, so with that, have a great rest of your week, or weekend, or, I don't know, lunar fortnight, whatever you're in. Have a great one. Many blessings. This is your Factual Fairy, signing off. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in, listeners. If you want to connect with me, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, you can reach out to me uh, on Twitter at FactsFibsFairy, or on Facebook or Instagram at FactsFibsAndFairyTales, or you can reach out by email at FactsFibsAndFairyTales at gmail.com. When you get home, I would like you to masturbate. <laughs>